What's up guys, this is Corey Baker from Baker Forge and Tool. In my business, we do tons of heavy grinding every single day, and we needed a grinder that could take abuse and keep on trucking without slowing down billet production. The Ameribraid Variable Speed 2x72 is just that. All heavy duty parts and framing with well thought out accessories that are easy to use and not bogged down with lots of tiny parts. By far the best accessory item that Ameribraid sells is their surface grinding attachment. It is absolutely foolproof and the best in the industry. With quick release magnet system, there is no prying your workpiece off the platen. Very fast to slap a billet or a knife onto the table, engage magnets, and start surfacing with precise increments. On top of all of this, their customer support is outstanding. Eric and Kevin are always available and fast to help with any situation. If you're in the market for a top-of-the-line grinder or maybe just an accessory to add to your existing setup, go to Marybraid.com and use the code HUSTLE100 for 100 bucks off any grinder package. All right, next up, the Hustle & Grind Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. This is the Hustle and Grind Podcast. I'm your host, Noah, from Anniot River Forge. With me, Ryan, from Ryan Shadborn Knife Works. Our, Hello. Uh, our guest this week is Brian Hinnenkamp of Tortuga Blade Works. How's it going, man? Hello. Doing well. How are you? Good, Bubba. Good, good to be here. It's been a while. I know. We tried to do this a couple times, but finally made it happen. We're going to find I, out. I if think this, this episode's... Exactly I think this is actually the first time that you seconds long. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Remember that's, that's right. Last yeah, time. We had... I kept dropping him at two minutes, yeah. and 19 <laughs> seconds every time. And we're coming up on it. I think we'll be fine. Think, though. So if this works out, th- this will be the, the first, first episode that Brian's been on that I've been on. So, cause, right. cause you were on the show way back before oh, it was, that before it was the show that it is now. Yeah. yeah a couple of years back. Nice. Well, welcome back, man. Uh, Thank you. I've I've been teasing a little bit to some of our listeners um, that I had talked to you about the galvanic corrosion question. So this right. came up on on a previous show. Uh, if the listeners aren't familiar, uh, Mareka Wamasi was on our show a while back, and he was talking about galvanic corrosion, and specifically we were talking about uh, stainless sand mice and the different uh, chemical chemical compositions of different stainless steels and the way that they react with carbon steels. And some people choose to do like a nickel shim or some sort of a, a barrier in between carbon and stainless steels for the reducing of galvanic corrosion. And I threw it out there that, that some listener was going to send me a DM and explain galvanic <laughs> corrosion to me because we didn't, we didn't want to get into it on that, that particular episode. And I have to admit I'll, you know, if I'm, I'm nothing, if not truthful on this show and Brian, you are not one of the people that I was expecting to send me a DM, but you gave me a full education about galvanic <laughs> corrosion. So I was like, well, shoot, now we got to have you on the show. We got to talk about galvanic corrosion. So, uh, first of all, let's for this, you know, people like me who don't really understand big words all that much. Uh, what, what, what's galvanic corrosion? Um, well, to, to kind of simplify it, um, it's a corrosive reaction between, uh, dissimilar metals. So, um, 
you mostly see it, uh, I think, in the engineering community. Um, it's something that's considered anytime they're building structures with metal that's going to be contacting metal. Um, so it's when two two dissimilar metals um, contact each other, and um, one of them acts as a cathode, one acts as the anode, and it basically perpetuates rusting or corrosion of one of the metals over the other. So there's a preference towards one of them corroding a little bit faster than the other metal. Um, like most famous or like well-known is um, in the Statue of Liberty. So in some of the materials they used to put that together, um, certain bolts or certain washers were um, against different metals and causing some accelerated corrosion. Um, for a true galvanic a uh, corrosive reaction to happen though you have to have you have to have three things and if one of the three things is missing you don't have the reaction so you have to have um, dissimilar metals there has to be a um, a uh, contact between the metals that could be conductive so a conductive contact and then um, there has to be the presence of an electrolyte or uh, something that catalyzes that so uh, if you're going to have dissimilar metals touching in the presence of moisture, um, so like the marine environment with lots of salts, things like that, um, it's much, much bigger, you know, of a factor. The example of Statue of Liberty is a good one. It's in a marine environment. You have a lot of different metals touching, so there was some pretty aggressive corrosion going there. Um, so that's kind of it in a nutshell. It comes up... Um, from time to time in bladesmithing, I've seen it, you know, in some of the online forums, I've heard about it on a few podcasts. So the question always comes up when we're layering metals, when we're making Damascus, when we're fitting up knives, you know, with guards, bolsters, pins, um, things like that, is galvanic corrosion a concern for us? Um, so I think that's kind of what perpetuates the conversation. It, it comes up from time to time. It seems like it's coming up lately. I've heard it on a few different podcasts. Um, there's a couple conversations online I've seen going on about it as well. So I think it's a relevant thing to discuss a little bit. Um, okay. Well, let's, so the, I'd say the closest thing that, that we're going to come in contact with this as knife makers would be a simple stainless sand mai. You've got something like 1095 and you've got either 410 or 416 on each side and you're using it as a kitchen knife and you're either cutting something like chicken or limes or, you know, something that's um, really good at patinaing a steel by itself. And then you have that extra factor of having the two dissimilar metals that have been forged together. How much of a concern right. is that? Would you say? Well, so, I mean, it's, I'm not, I'm not a, a metallurgist or a scientist there. I have some pretty strong opinions on it. Just, based on a lot of the research I've done and then just using my knives because I make a lot of stainless and, you know, I've done a lot of trial and error with different resists and protectants to understand when they corrode more than others. Um, well, this, I mean, this is an opinion show. So, I mean, if, if that's sure, just what sure. you got, like, let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't think it's a, a factor that knife makers should really be up in arms too much about. Um, with the sand my process, particularly stainless, what you have to understand about the galvanic, um, process is there's there's a list uh, it's it's called a, the anodic table so um, all metals fall somewhere on the anodic table and um, it's ranked based on their voltage and when you combine two metals together 
Um, to minimize, you know, galvanic corrosion, you want to pick metals that are closer together on that scale. And then like engineering, you know, in building construction, things like that, there are specific voltage difference parameters that you need to stay, stay within. Um, so when you look at the types of steels we use, carbon steels and then other stainless steels, so 300 series and 400 series, particularly talking about Sanmai with stainless, um, they're, they're close enough on uh, the anodic scale that, yes, there can be some reaction, but it's not of a, you know, a, a significant level. So the voltage is within, for our purposes, um, a reasonable distance on that scale. Um, the other reason I, I don't think it's too big of a factor is because uh, I think there's some there's another factor at play um, that brings some corrosion risk there. Um, you know, we're creating a forge weld at the molecular level under the absence of oxygen to get those two steels to, you know, uh, join together. With stainless sand mice, the way I do it, I don't do a shim in between. Um, so there is a migration zone there where, you know, the carbon migrates between the two and um, but that's done in the absence of oxygen. So they're molecularly bonded versus, um, you know, just just touching like say two pipes or a bolt on a washer, you know, will occur, you know, in, in the world that occurs in the presence of moisture and oxygen. And so in the knife, you've got the molecular bond. There's not a lot of places for, you know, oxygen and other oxidizers to get, actually get in. Um, with the Sanmai, we, with our bevels, we grind it, we hand sand it. It's a, you know, it's a smooth, continuous surface before we etch it. And then we tend to etch it. So um, I think there's a factor there. We're actually in, in, introducing corrosion anyways into the process when we're, you know, we're etching those metals. So to sure, some degree yeah. that, that, that patina has some protective factors. Um, so what you would really be concerned about is that space in between where they're, you know, contacting each other. We all know that the carbon steel in that environment is going to patina anyways. So it's going to naturally corrode. So regardless of, and this is where my opinion comes in, regardless of what's causing the corrosion, because there's a couple routes to corrosion, you know, in, in those steels, regardless of that, you're going to have to be mindful and care for the steel the same way. So if it was out in the environment not being cared for, you know, to prevent it, you want to somehow, you know, disconnect that chain of three ideal things. So you want to buffer the contact by putting in a resist. So like, between a bolt and a washer, you want to put a, you know, whether you put in a piece of plastic or you put in a, some kind of a coating or something that's going to break up the um, the electrical bond between the, the two metals. Um, but, and that's where my opinion comes into it. You're maintaining carbon steel knives that need maintenance. And then to some degree, the patina is going to build up if you allow your knives to patina and that will have some protective factors as well. Um, I think the other thing that gets mischaracterized as galvanic corrosion as well is uh, particularly with stain my or sand my Damascus with stainless steel. There's the transition zone between your stainless and your high carbon steel. Um, and you, as the carbon migrates, um, you end up with that bright band, um, you know, that silver, nice silver line. If you keep the steel hot enough, long enough, you get more migration at that zone. You can develop that band enough to where it looks almost like a nickel shim. Um, mm -hmm. 
And that band behaves almost exactly like raw iron because it's chemically almost what it is. So um, if you notice when you when you're grinding your stainless and you're if you grind a little hot, you're dipping it in water. Um, if you've ever like restored a cast iron pot, um, cast iron and raw iron are a little bit different in their carbon content. Well, quite a bit different, but, um, you know, if you restore a cast iron pot, you pull it out of the oven, you burned all the, you know, everything off of it. It's prone to flash rusting as soon as it hits oxygen. So with a little bit of heat, a little bit of moisture, um, that flash rusting can happen. And, um, the same thing happens on that transition line on the stainless sand. My, I think because it's pretty close to raw iron right at that spot. And uh, I think when that gets flash rusted, I think there's quite a few times where that's misrepresented as a galvanic corrosion reaction when it probably isn't. Um, it's more a factor of um, just the chemical makeup of the steel right in that band being particularly vulnerable in the presence of oxygen. And if you add a little bit yeah, of moisture, okay. a little bit of heat. Um, and I, th- I think the time that that's most vulnerable in what I've seen in my making is after I etch my sand my. So when you come out of your uh, ferric chloride bath, you know, I wash it off with distilled water. And there's a moment there where if I don't coat it with something to start kind of that oxidative protection, you can get a some flash rusting on that line. So uh, I think that's, that's how it comes up. I've seen it come up in conversations around other Damascus as well which I think is even more or less relevant because um, from an anodic standpoint, two carbon steels that are very close to each other on the anodic chart aren't really going to have too much of a risk of a galvanic reaction between the two steels. So, Well, uh, and, you know, you bring up that point about the flash rust. I mean, you can even have that same sort of reaction happening when you're doing like a, an electro etch. You know, a lot of guys hear electro etch stuff and I know you've all seen it. It, If you don't neutralize it quick enough, you know, get some wax on there. You can have your maker's marks start to turn rust colored. And it's just because you're creating basically the atmosphere for that to happen. And then you got to you got to make sure that that thing stays dark and you don't lose it to that flash rust. Right. Yeah, And if you if you exactly reverse the um, electro etching, you're pretty much creating a. that scenario. So you're going to be depositing, you're reversing the cathode and anode and uh, you're pretty much simulating that to a degree. So. Right on. Yeah. I, I had a question about something that you said, but I lost it. It was, it was a very detailed explanation there, but yeah. Um, I, since we're talking about opinions, I did some extensive testing when it came to the transition line between the stainless and the carbon steel and that testing was I left two knives with a lime overnight and uh, just like half a lime. And I just left it, you know, half on the carbon, half on the stainless and to see what happened to it overnight. And you're not going to believe it, but there was not any galvanic corrosion. It was just some patina on the on the carbon steel. And there was basically no visible signs of anything on the transition between the two. And right. based on that scientific testing that I've done myself, I'm comfortable with it. That yeah, was, that was then, sarcasm for the listeners, by the way. Right, right. Okay, in case controlled, they didn't know that. That controlled study. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, you. I think that you could probably set up, you know, experiments where you could create it with, you know, the voltages and these steels and the the right 
uh, you know, concoction of um, electrolyte solutions and whatnot. But yeah, I think we're talking knives. They're going to be in the kitchen, touching food, other things. And again, they're going to patina. They're going to be, you know, washed. They're going to be maintained with oils or waxes, whatever blade protect it you like to use. Yeah. Although that, I will say I make a lot of San Mai. That's because I make a lot of it. I get a lot of orders for it. And that's, um, I have a lot of conversations with my customers that buy that. And, you know, I say, if you use this, it's, it's not going to look like this. Um, the more you use it, it's going to patina and you got to be okay with that. And I have one customer in particular who he, that's how he likes his kitchen knives. He wants them to look like they were the day he got them. And, you know, anybody wants high end Damascus stuff. So, um, that's a conversation we constantly have. He'll, you know, he'll get a hold of me and go, how do I keep it looking like this? I'm like, you can't, if you, if you want, if you want this construction, you want this style, um, and you want to use it. Um, otherwise coat it in wax and don't use it. So. Yeah. Or buy yourself a gallon of gator piss and, uh, every so often, <laughs> <laughs> You're, yep. you're gonna have to start. You have to basically have a knife making shop in your kitchen to uh, to try and keep it looking like that all the time. Yep. All right. Well, I think I think we we went a little heavy, a little fast. I think maybe we should have saved that for later in the episode, but that's okay. So, <laughs> listeners, I apologize for just smacking you in the face with technical talk right after we just had Tobias on too. So, I mean, that was last week, and then this week we're just hitting it heavy right off the bat. Uh, I think we should just switch over to some silly stuff right away. Uh, but Ryan, first, let's go ahead and hear from one of the one of our sponsors real quick, and then we'll do some this or that. I mean, it is okay because next week is there's going to be zero technical information in next week's episode. That's true. That's true. We're just making up for it. <laughs> <laughs> Hustle and Grind is sponsored by Maritime Knife Supply. Whether you're looking for steel, abrasives, handle material, forges, epoxy, or anything for making in general, Maritime Knife Supply has you covered. And in the U.S. or Canada, they ship faster than the great Cobra Chicken Goosesses that their country is known for. Go to Maritime Knife Supply, and when you buy a 10-pack of belts, get 10% off. And tell them we sent you, eh? Eh? Thanks, Luke. Thanks, Luke. Everybody knows Lawrence. A little bit of this You're... Oh, and a whole right into it. lot of that. Would you rather fly in a submarine or swim in an airplane? Would you rather be a reindeer? Would you rather a surf a wave of Kool-Aid or snowboard a mountain of dip and dots? Would you rather fly or be able to breathe in the water? Would you prefer the ability to stick to walls or would you rather shoot spaghetti from your fingers? <laughs> or would you rather shoot spaghetti from your fingers? All right, guys, back by popular demand, we have this or that. I got to say, I struggled with these questions. I struggled. I It took me a while to get this list put together, and I'm not even confident that, I mean, it, it holds up to my previous work, but we're going to we're gonna try here. So, Let's do it. Brian, are you, you're, you're familiar with how this yes. goes, right? This is, I'm, I'm this is binary choice here, fast paced. You got, I mean, under the gun, you got to pick these questions. You ready? All right. I will be the guest that does not overthink it. <laughs> okay. When making a knife, do you prioritize surgical precision in its functionality, or do you lean more towards adding an artistic flair to the design? Oh, come on. Hit me with that one. I'll, I'll go with artistic flair. Very Although well. I'm, I'm pretty precise in a lot of my processes. So, 
go, go. <laughs> Artistically precise, okay? All right. In, in the event of a zombie apocalypse, would you prefer to rely on your knife-making skills to forge the ultimate zombie-slaying blade, or would you trust your emergency room expertise to navigate the medical challenges of the post-apocalyptic world? Um, I think most of my knowledge might be out the window, except for rudimentary medicine, so I'd go for finding that weapon. I'd smith something pretty quick. Fair enough. If your life depended on it, would you rather have a chef prepare a meal using only knives forged by you or by medical instruments from the emergency room? Uh, knives forged by me. Would you rather have a knife fight with rubber knives or a pillow fight with metal pillows? Oh, man. Rubber knives. I don't want to hurt anybody. I'll okay. clean up All that right. mess. Uh, if emergency room professionals had their own Olympics, would you compete in the Bedside Manor Marathon or the Syringe Toss event? Definitely Syringe Toss. If you had a knife-wielding animal sidekick, would you prefer a ninja squirrel with tiny throwing stars or a stealthy penguin armed with a miniature sword? I'm going to go with the squirrel. It seems a little more tactical, a little more useful than a penguin waddling around, you know? <laughs> If you could use your knife to cut through time and space, would you visit a medieval surgeon to exchange tips or bring a dinosaur back for a checkup? Uh, I'd visit the surgeon. Definitely. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Imagine where we'd be life... That's a good point. That's a good point. If your life were a TV series, would you star in a dramatic, dramatic soap opera set in the emergency room or a reality TV show where knives compete for your attention and approval? Um, I'd go with the knife show because I can't stand medical TV shows. It's, it's like Fair being enough. at work when I'm at home. So I love but, that show. House. But less, less realistic. I would hope. I love Dr. House. House is, House is good, but everything's lupus. <laughs> uh, um, would you rather have a forge that can transcend time, allowing you to craft blades in any era or anvil that can teleport you to any location in real time for on the go forging. Um, go with the teleporting anvil. I feel like that has multi purposes for like utility plus family vacations. I don't know. Absolutely. Cheap, yeah, I, cheap I, travel. I, I would probably do the same thing too. I mean, cause like, yeah, it'd be cool to like go back in time and everything. But like at the same time, you, like I could just be like literally kill everybody you interacted with through bacteria. I would. I'd like. Ooh, that's a good point. Yeah. I'd give everybody the flu and COVID like in some other time. <laughs> You'd come back and find out about the the pandemic of such and such that didn't previously happen, but now it has. Right. Uh, there's like half as many people on the earth all of a sudden. All right. Especially, um, uh, especially the the odd things I'm carrying around after ten years in the ER. You know. I'm probably populated yeah, with some even worse than one of us. Oh, jeez. Uh, would you prefer a chef knife that edits your cooking mistakes on the spot, or cleavers that add a sarcastic commentary to every slice? Oh uh, man, I'd go with the chef knife. Only because I'm st I'm studying Italian and French right now. I'm trying to get trying to hone some of my culinary skills. So, seems valuable. 
Fair enough. All right. Uh, I think this is the last one. Here we go. Would you prefer your blade to be a smart home assistant that happens to be a blade expert, or would you rather your knives have handles that change color based on the emotions of the person handling them? Um, I'll go with the colored handles because I got enough bosses in this house telling me what to do. So. <laughs> I was just thinking like, I, I don't know what mood rings were made out of. Right. from like back in the 90s when those were a huge thing but can you imagine like a knife handle like that actually kind of seemed fairly yeah. badass to me like I, it, that could be trendy yeah. nobody steal that it's my idea. idea i wonder if we could find that material and make scales out of it i don't even that know how that material works it's... the mood ring material yeah yeah sure it, it wasn't it... it wasn't rock it was like some sort of plastic or acrylic yeah, and was, is Hang it heat, googling heat, mood heat ring material? Yeah, it's heat sensitive. So yeah. as it sits on your finger, it warms up and changes color. And then twelve year old girls are like, "Oh my god!" It says that I'm raging. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I do have I do have that triple changing. Uh, what's the company? It's a plastic material it changes. So in room room temperature, it's or actually in the dark, uh, it's a, uh, well, it glows in the dark, turns blue in the sun and it's beige, like inside just during, you know, normal room light. That stuff's kind of cool. I've got some of that lay layered carbon That's fiber. Awesome. I, I can't remember what it's called. It's like glow forge or something. They're ring blanks. I was going to use them as spacers and wah handles, but they yeah. have like layers that glow in the dark, like bright blue or bright red. Yeah. Stuff I have is called uranium glow. It looks like uranium when it's in the dark. It's pretty cool. Oh, dude, you can buy the like the crystal, the crystalline like dust on Amazon. So if you added that to like a resin handle, it would basically be a mood ring handle. Huh. So I mean, there's I mean I've done resin casting. Like it's very very easy. But if you just added this powder to it, boom, and it's relatively inexpensive ah dang it i shouldn't have said this live on the show <sighs> people are gonna steal this idea damn it uh, oh well you're welcome guys you're welcome there you go now you can make we provide you with ring. value that's, right. yeah, that's true ideas are valuable you know what this is the second idea that came out of this or that because the first one was damascus sporks but i beat you all to that one i just haven't actually finished them so those ones i sent you a link to the other day were pretty sick they weren't they damascus. were pretty sick they were mono steel, but they were really well made sporks. Yes, they were. Those were impressive. I wish I could remember who it was so I could shout them out, but oh well. Colonel Sanders would have been proud. <laughs> see, my idea was I wanted it to look like a plastic spork. You know, like that's what you see most often. Like aside from David Burke, most people don't use a spork every day, but apparently he does. He sent me pictures of his like fancy titanium Damascus or not titanium. Or not ugh, not Damascus. It is titanium just mono steel titanium spork that he eats his lunch with every day. Like he keeps it in his lunchbox and this is like this badass little Damascus spork. And I'm like, I had no idea that people even like made those. You can actually still like buy those like what? So nice. at first I was like, Oh, I just wanted to look like a plastic spork because that's all I've ever really seen. turns out there's, there's a market for sporks. I, I, I didn't know it. Jeez, no maybe idea. we're missing out on something like Damascus money clips. Oh, I'm sure. I have a, I have a spork. I think, I don't remember who made it, but it's a, 
it's like a tactical sport. You know, it's got a pry bar oh, and yeah. a, little, a little wrench on it and all that. See, okay, th- those I've seen. Like CRKT yeah. makes it a, a, yeah, a yeah. tactical spork. And that's, yeah. let's the face it, that's spork. genius. Yeah, it's a little little mall ninja, but yeah, I've got one. It's okay. So. Yeah. And, and that right there proves people will buy them. Yeah. Hell yeah. I just got to actually finish them. I've been Did busy. I, to... Oh, sorry. I cut you off. No, you go ahead, man. Did you guys listen to Fire and Steel this week? I, I listened just today. Yeah. They did a mashover with Makeshift Podcast. Oh, nice. Which was funny because Toby just talked almost the entire time, and it didn't really seem like – I mean, every so often you'd hear Chris pipe up with something, but Corey basically never spoke, and Honor just like threw little jabs in at Toby. So it was basically just a normal Fire and Steel episode we're trying to set up a similar thing with them so now we know what that episode's going to be like <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah i, I can see that so we'll, we'll let uh let them do the trial run see see how it works Corey and chris aren't as rough around the edges as we are though so i got a feeling there's yeah. going to be some bad words spoken <laughs> on the show i don't know i don't know uh toby had had a had a little bit to drink so there was quite a few bad words more th- more than normal on the fire and steel i'll tell you that much yeah he's usually the tame one mm-hmm. yeah he was going all out he was calling yeah. honor names and all kinds of good stuff he went hard in the paint against neil warren <laughs> i don't think he really <laughs> he, he kind of like threw out like a minor diss there but i don't think he like went after him no uh, it no was funny, it was all in good fun I mean, they're Brits. They're Brits. And Neil's a Texan. If a Texan can't take some criticism from a British Australian guy, he's fucked (laughs) anyways. Right. Neil, we love you. We do. (laughs) (laughs) It was funny. I was driving in my car and I was like, I was like, oh, he got him. Anyway, I was I was listening to that while making breakfast or dinner. I can't remember. I was. I was in the kitchen cooking and I had an earbud in. I was listening to it. My, my kid's like, dad, why are you laughing? Did, did, did you hear the, the movie we were watching? Like, no, I'm listening to something, dude. Don't worry about it. I think we should normalize podcasts, making fun of each other. Well, I thought that we kind of have. Is there, is I mean, there a podcast we haven't made fun of? Um, knife talk. Yeah. We don't need to make fun of them. That's can't make fun of the King. That's how you end up dead. We've, We've made up with, or we've made fun of WFI. We've made fun of Fire and Steel. I don't know. If you have a podcast out there and you want us to make fun of you, you send Ryan a DM. Uh, speaking of sending Ryan DMs, uh, Ryan, how are we? Ryan and I don't talk all the time, so this is we'll just go ahead and do this on the air. Ryan, how are we doing on the um, Hustle and Grind uh, yearly awards? Have we gotten some good, good nominations? No. No, I got I got two messages. Two me- guys, guys. Slacking. We need some no- some nominations. We gave you some categories. Let me see if I can find them. I got them written we have down to here somewhere too, because one of the messages nominated you for something, and which you are worthy of that nomination. And I agree with them. I don't think it's fair that we're allowed to win any of the things. That's right. Yeah. So um, we appreciate it, guys. But. Uh, I don't want to be like the, like, what was it, Xerxes in 300? You know, where he's like, for I am a generous god. I award I, myself. I, I, I used that line at work the other day. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, 
So we, we have categories and so funniest reels, funniest social media, you know, somebody who just consistently puts out like solid work, you know, somebody that comes to my mind would be uh, twisted steel. They're freaking hilarious. They use like all the classic memes, you know, promoting their knife making classes. Phenomenal stuff. Some of it, like I've shared some of them to my stories because they've been so good. Um, best guest. So if you listen to the show, then you hear all of our guests, you know, which, you know, who we've had on, who was the best one this year, you know, just shoot Ryan a DM at the, on the hustle and grind podcast, uh, Instagram page, tell him who you thought the best guest was. That one's an easy one. Super easy. Um, biggest improvement who out there in the community has improved a ton this year and you recognize their hustle and you see them honing their skills and you want to, you know, give them a shout out for it send Ryan a DM and it can't be me. I appreciate you guys. Appreciate you. I'm not going to award myself something on my own show. <laughs> uh, you know, who's the best member of the community? That's the other one that we came up with. You know, like who, who is it out there that you see promoting other people's stuff, sharing stuff, uh, commenting, and just, you know, generally like, you know, being a positive influence for the community, uh, helping people out when they need help, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, and that's it. We're just trying to, we're just trying to recognize, you know, the awesome people that listen to this podcast and the awesome people in the community. So hustle and grind podcast on Instagram, send those DMS in on who you think is the best in those categories. And if there's something out there that you think we missed, we missed out for a category, throw it, throw it at Ryan. We're just going to throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. So we appreciate you guys. We need your votes, nominations, things Vote like that. Bitches. When's the cutoff for that? End, End of the year. year. Okay. So we'll announce close. it. We'll do first episode in January. We'll announce it. And that episode is a mare braid. Oh, sweet. Nice. So that's always a good show. Also, send me a DM on the Hustle and Grind page if there's anybody you want to see us have on. Because I'm yeah. running out of ideas. We, got a pretty, we had a pretty good run in 2023. I don't know how I'm going to top it in 2024. Are you, are you going back to Blade Show? I Seems am. Seems like you made some good connections there. The run after yeah. Blade Show was pretty epic. That's true. Are yeah. You, are you going, Noah? Oh, yeah. I'll sell my I've, truck to go to Blade Show. I don't care. I've been talking to Todd about doing an Airbnb with Todd. Oh, nice. Todd's loaded, so I'm sure he's going to pick a nice one. Oh, for crying out loud. (laughs) (laughs) All right. He drives a Tesla. Does he really? That's like the pinnacle. So does Brian House, but he wrecked it. Sorry, Brian. I feel bad for you. They are fast. Is it just a Tesla or is is it that new truck? No, he he, has, he actually has a Tesla, and yeah, he he backed into a mail truck uh, this last week. I felt super bad oh, for him. Wow. He, you could tell when he was telling the story, he was he was not happy with himself over it. And I've been there. I've wrecked some stuff, you know. Uh, I know. I know how. Could have been a FedEx truck, Brian. <laughs> Fucking a. It was, a uh, it was truck. just he would have backed into it a few times. Yeah, yeah probably. <laughs> And then got I, out and strangled the driver. I got on a YouTube rabbit hole one day and I was just chilling. My foot hurt. So I was laying in bed and I'm watching all these videos on YouTube. And somehow I got onto Tesla disassembly videos where it was like a oh. Tesla mechanic who was filming himself at work. And he just like takes apart Tesla's all day. 
Okay. I was kind of, I kind of want one of them wheel motors. Oh yeah. You kidding me? Oh my God. Have you seen some of the stuff that people do with those? They'll like disassemble a Tesla and they'll just like make other stuff out of those motors. Like, I wonder if it's the type of thing where you can turn them in reverse and generate power. Uh, I have no idea. I mean, I mean, you probably could, but you'd need somebody who knew a lot. I mean, if you, maybe if you were an electrical engineer, I don't know. I got got YouTube, bro. It's all you need. YouTube University, man. You know what I'm saying? That's right. That's all you need, brother. Get up there on that YouTube and you're going to find out everything (laughs) you need to know, bro. (laughs) That's all I need, man. Man, speaking of YouTube, Koi Baker has a YouTube page. Oh, he does. Yeah, they put up some pretty good content. And they got a pretty decent fucking drop this week. Nice. Yeah, they do. That's It's they pretty do. new, right? They, the they just drop. started that? No, oh, the, the YouTube, YouTube page. Yeah, I think they had it and they were focused on other stuff and then they started posting on it again. I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah, it dropped off for a little while and now they're getting back to doing that content. And yes. uh yeah, boys at Koi, ugh, boys at Baker Forge are always doing good stuff, and we love those guys, and they sponsor our show. And I just got myself in the mail the other day a billet of the Dark Mai, which I know, I know, it's like the simplest pattern they make, but it's my favorite. It really is. And uh, it's just so simple and clean and just cool and classy looking, so I'm really excited to make something out of that. Um, and if you use code HUSTLE10, you get 10% off. So you should I missed uh, out on the dark you should do that. I, I wanted Did you really? Some. Yeah, I like simple patterns. It's not even yeah, a pattern. Absolutely. It's you know, they just they got that line through it. It's kind of like stainless sami in a way, where you just have that one line of separation. Sometimes yeah, less clean. is more, you know. Their drop this week though is uh Go Mai with a copper shim. And they got Ripple mm. Go Mai, Chevron Go Mai, Raindrop Go Mai, and Ladder Go Mai. And then all. Yeah, I was gonna say, and then the ladder as well. Yeah, all Damascus go my with the and they're doing the shape. wide billets on that one. It doesn't say wide billets. Okay, so, so probably not then. I mean, whoever yeah, the goes to buy, two... it's gonna see all the sizes when they go click on the thing, anyways. Sure. Yeah, the first two drops that came out of their new shop are those you know big wide billets, um, which for some of you guys I know is really important. But anyways. We love the guys over there at Baker Forge, and go check them out. And don't forget to use code Hustle Ten. Get yourself some money off. I love big so bills, Brian, dude. Sheet steel. It's the way to go, man. Oh, yeah. yeah. You can just get so much more bang for your buck. You can save on you know those scraps. You can just kind of Tetris everything together. It's the way to go. Yeah, you I just a little crafty with your bandsaw. I just picked up my first Baker billet two weeks ago. I got that Firestorm Ripple Damascus core in a wider billet. Oh, sweet. So I've got to figure nice. out what to do with it. But yeah. What's that one that I got? No. Raindrop. Yeah, uh, I don't remember, I, dude. I think it's Raindrop Q-My with a nickel shim. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think that's what it was, yeah. I think. And it, it's like, their shit's so beautiful that I can't decide what I want to make with it. I'm like, see, I, that, I that's what I was thinking. One bar. What am I going to, what, once I make it, it's gone. Right, but they make more. Yeah, that's the hoarder maker mentality, I think. See, and I'm trying to defeat myself with that one because I'm I've got these, you know, these two bars of baker that I'm gonna do something with and I don't know what, so I'm just gonna make something. 
I just decided that the other day. I'm just going to go ahead and make something. And I think I'm going to make a puko because I'm Swedish and I have wanted to make a puko the entire time that I have made knives and I still haven't done it. So I'm just going to make like a traditional puko with like a cool, like dark my blade. And I think that's going to look awesome. And so that's what I'm just going to do. And it's hidden tang. So that way I don't have to worry about, you know, futzing around with like etching around the tang and all that to bring out the pattern. I can just do a nice little puko. And um, I'm going to try and do a JB and I'm going to try and weld a tang on. And what I'm going to do, because I'm such a crappy welder, is uh, I'm just going to take the billet as it is square and then just like weld on a tang to one side. And if it works, then I'll cut the blade shape out. <laughs> and if it doesn't, then I'll just snap it off and I've still got a full billet because I really don't trust my welding skills because they aren't really, they don't really exist. So anyways, speaking of welding, I just put together my new Apollo Forge, Brian. Not only do you have an Apollo Forge, but you went a little overboard when you were doing your (laughs) Apollo Forge. You went a little crazy, and you actually recently talked about what you did to your Forge on another podcast, um, and you kind of gave away some secrets a little bit, too. Have you had any any reaction to that? Yeah, I've had a couple people reach out. but You know, I did the shipwreck patina on my Forge kind of when... It was in the same month that I released that first couple of knives with that. And uh, I had a bunch of people at the time reach out and ask, you know, how do, how did I do it? And, um, you know, I just, I kind of asked, hey, let me, let me get a few knives out, you know, with this before I kind of give up my process on it. So, um, but yeah, I shipwrecked that whole forge. The cool thing, I need to do some updated pictures just to put on my social media because as I fired it over time, it's turned more green and blue and um, a lot of oh, the cool sure. col- colors have come out. Uh, looks sick. And I, I coated it with a, a high temperature uh, clear, you know, paint. So oh, okay. it's kind of, it's kind of darkening from underneath, but the one thing with a lot of those, um, you know, a lot of the etching chemicals, the, the forge then is going to be, you know, heated and cooled and heated and cooled. So it'll be a little more prone to rusting after you've hit it with some of those other chemicals. So, so I just clear coated it, which you can get away with that on the forge where you can't on a knife, obviously, but, uh, yeah, it's been kind of cool to watch it, uh, patina and age. So, um, yeah, and I've gotten a lot of people reached out since that other podcast I did where I kind of talked through the process. I've been helping people troubleshoot. So, um, any listeners here that want to know more or I've, I've made a few videos that I've sent to some people to just some more details of how I do it um, and get some of the, you know, particular patterns I get or um, some of the 3d, you know, effects I get on mine. Happy to show all that. So it's pretty easy to make quick videos and send them to you in DM. So. so yeah. Awesome. Well, that's really kind of you. Um, so anyways, if, if anybody is wondering, we don't need to get into the nitty gritty on the, the patina since you've already, already shown that out into the world but if you want to uh listen to that episode it was the um i just had it on the tip of my tongue side chat <laughs> thank you Forge side chat yeah. oh my gosh For, anyways um and that you did that episode with uh dennis terrell and the abstract blacksmith um which was it was i mean the whole show was great so um yeah, I definitely listen to the whole thing. It was a great. So even if you guys aren't really interested in, in doing a shipwreck patina, I highly recommend you go listen to the Forge side, Forge side chat and uh, definitely check out that episode. It was a great show. Um, I just did an episode of Forge side chat. 
That's true. Yeah, you mentioned that mm-hmm. last week. So yep. I'll look forward Still to, waiting on Lando to that one post as well. It. Lando. It was a good one. Nice. It was a good one, All man. Right. Right. He's much well. more professional than I am. He actually goes in and edits his episodes, even when they don't like necessarily have problems. Whereas I only edit them when like somebody's got a delay or something's fucked up. Yes, yeah, he, he just cares better. more. I think. <laughs> yeah, he cares more <laughs> than I do. <laughs> right. On. Well, shout out to Lando. Um, so. How are you liking the Apollo Forge? I'm a little obsessed with the Apollo right now, um, just because I, I just got mine up and running. And I, I sent Brian House a message like as soon as I got it fired and it was you know actually starting to glow. I was I was just so excited and just kind of a little overwhelmed, slightly emotional actually. Um, so I sent him a message and it's, it's such an amazing thing, you know. Like it's so, uh, you know, I've had this stupid little Devil's Forge in my in my shop for the longest time and it's crumbling and this you know the liner over the ko wool is all jacked up and i'm getting fire bricks that i'm you know tonging in front of it to like make a door and like it just freaking sucks and then just to have like this easy clean open forge that heats evenly like holy shit just like just like heating steel evenly and not having to like shuffle it around in the forge and like you know get it into just the right position you know holy shit it's amazing um but yeah, anyways, sorry. How how are you how are you liking the forge, man? Like uh yeah. what, what did yeah, you I'm go gonna... from to that? Um I had the uh Mystic Forge triple burner, which is I think a lot of people see those on Forged and Fire and uh Yeah. End up getting them. I had one of those, I had another one that I built. Um they're all the uh you know venturi burner. So massive gas hogs, poorly insulated, um the, uh, uh, yeah. So, I mean, the, it's night and day difference going to this type of a burner and then the, the fuel efficiency on it. Uh, my ramp up time to get up to forge oil temps is, you know, cut in half and it just sips gas. So you kind of forget about refilling tanks with this. Yeah. So, that's a hotly shocking. contested topic is the ribbon burner versus Venturi burner. It is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's even with a fan on this ribbon burner and a fan going, it's probably half the noise of, you know, my old forge with all three burners cranked wide open. And then the other thing on that triple burner, you know, you'll see everybody prop fire bricks in front of the doors to try to help get it up to a forge will attempt. But the, the maker will tell you it's not built to have that done. So as soon as you block the doors, you start degrading the forge. It just falls apart. So I've burned through two of those. Um, so yeah, this was a massive upgrade for me, just inefficiency and the quality of the, you know, the product, the build, the, you know, the thickness of the steel, the type of brick. And then, uh, do you have the launch pad inserts for yours? Not yet. I haven't gotten those. I will though. It's, that's a really brilliant product that Brian put together. Um, I used to do ceramic tiles on the bottom of my old forge. So I had built a, a, a steel tray that I'd put ceramic tiles in. So when I did, I don't really use flux much unless I'm doing like cable or something messy that really does need flux. Um, so I'd put that tray in just to catch the excess flux. And, um, you know, Brian designed this around kind of heading that way towards dealing with people, you know, people that do flux and don't want to destroy the bottom. But the, the bonus effect of that is it's such a better insulator than that hard brick. So 
it comes up to temp oh, yeah. hotter. It's more point. consistent. And then the, you know, the little channels that he put into the launch pad base, your, your work sits on top of that. So there's even a little more space around the, the work itself. So it's kind of floating. Um, so just circulation around your piece. You don't have a cold spot underneath it. It's pretty brilliant. Sure. I didn't even think about so, that. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Well, as soon as we're done here, I'll just go ahead and order a couple. So he sells those yeah. already yeah. made, right? Pre-made. Yeah. You can download the CAD file to, to 3D print them yourself as well. But I think it's like 40 bucks for two of them. So I just, I just well put those it. in mine. And yeah. It's I mean, I might print it. a couple too, but then I'll have to buy Castellite and that stuff's messy. Yeah. I might as well just, just buy them from Brian. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah. I absolutely love, love this. And, you know, I don't want to get into the debate on, you know, Venturi versus ribbon burner on, you know, efficiency. But I did notice something um, when I was doing my first couple of forges with it, forgings with it, um, is I was almost out of, I was almost out of propane. And I don't go through that much propane, so I wasn't really worried about it. But uh, I was doing quite a lot of forging as soon as I got this thing up and running because I was, you know, excited to play with it. It was my new toy, right? And uh, I looked down as I was done forging and the dial said that I was running on zero propane. Like there was literally, there, there was not enough propane in the bottle to register a pressure and it was still running and it was at forge welding temps. I wasn't actually forge welding with it, but it was, you know, to where you could have been forge welding on zero PSI and right. having used a Venturi burner for a very long time, I can tell you, you couldn't do that on a Venturi burner. You have to have that pressure to push yeah. the gas down through to draw the air in one of Venturi burner. I mean, once my bear or sorry, the, um, once the bottle's down to 10% ish, you're done. Like you can't, you can't go any further. This thing, I don't know how efficient it is. Cause I haven't run a full bottle through it yet, but I can tell you, you can run it on zero PSI and it just draws that, that propane out and you get every last little sip and it stays hot the whole freaking time. So it yep. doesn't affect the performance no matter what the pressure is. So anyways. Yeah. That was the biggest adjustment for me too. going to this. I was used to running everything on full blast, doing all the little tricks to keep it as hot as I could. And with the Apollo, you actually have to dial it back a bit. Um, you also have seen videos of some guys that have just massive dragon's breath coming out of it, which it can do that, but there's no need to run it like that. So, you know, learning to dial it back till you got a nice, little curl and you're not blowing flames out the door. And, um, so just learning to control that was a little bit of a learning curve for me because it was exactly opposite from what I've been used to. And, uh, just that yeah, efficiency yeah. and the heat efficiency. And, um, and then I most recently I've been playing with, you know, how low can I get it to run at not forge weld temps, but just forging temps, you know, forging out mono steels. And, um, so that's kind of what I've been playing with now. And it's pretty subtle. There's a lot of ways to adjust it, and yeah, it's pretty pretty well yeah, designed. Yeah, honestly, I haven't I haven't gotten that deep into it. I'm going to obviously, um, but honestly, I've just been running it with the gate full open, and then just adjusting my propane and just kind of dialing it in from there and seeing seeing what it does. And it's a just how how fast it gets up to temp. I mean, obviously, yeah. that's something that he promotes is you know how fast it gets up to temp, but you don't really like. You don't have any way to quantify that until you see it happening in front of your face. And it's like, holy crap, this thing's hot already. 
you know, like, wow, that's freaking sweet. So, yep. um, yeah, super happy with that. Um, I think that's enough Forge talk. What have you been up to lately, man? I haven't seen a whole lot of social media coming from you. Have you been pretty, <laughs> pretty stacked at your day job? I'm guessing. Um, it's, it actually hasn't been as much work as kind of life. We've had a tough year just in our house. Um, we had a flood back in August. Uh, we went, you know, out of town for a week and came back and our refrigerator had the water pump in it had broke and flooded about 2000 square feet of our, our home and destroyed flooring. And so we've been, that kind of disrupts, you know, everything. And we've been fighting with insurance and contractors. And so working through that and, you know, living out of a, a pod in the driveway. And, um, so, you know, I had a big push over the summer and my oldest, you know, Taylor, he, he works in the shop with me a lot, um, in the, in the summertime. So he was home for, from school for the summer and, um, he's saving for a ring, you know, to propose to his girlfriend. So that was a big push on a lot of the stuff we built through the summer together. Just, uh, uh, yeah, just and growing him as a maker too. So, um, and then as the fall hit here, it always gets busy with work as, you know, respiratory season hits, but really I've been kind of underwater with the house. Um, that all kind of came to a, a head two weeks ago. We got kind of rounded the corner. Um, it got, got a little nuts for us though. I, we had all the contractors ready to come in two weeks ago. And then, um, my mother and father-in-law, both had heart attacks on the same day. So just wild. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah. What are the super, odds of that? Yeah. Super rare. Uh, my father-in-law had a heart attack, got to the hospital and then my mother-in-law got there and was at the bedside and she had a heart attack there. Um, they're both doing really well, really good outcomes. Um, thankfully for a really tough situation, but, um, so that's, it's been that kind of year for us, just as a family, a lot of stuff that's been, you know, just challenging us in a million different directions. And, um, but it's, it's good too, you know, through the, through the midst of that, that's been a theme for us is together, focusing on our relationships and focusing on being grateful. Um, it's really easy when you go through those seasons where a lot of hits, you know, keep coming to be focusing on that, like what's next. Um, but so I don't know, feeling really blessed coming up on the holidays where we're able to slow down and spend a little more time together. All the kids are on break now. And, um, I got the house finished last week. You know, I did all the doors and the millwork. And so for the first time in about seven months, it feels like home again. And, uh, looking at some time over the next two months where I can really be back in the shop and things will be normal. I mean, that's just imagine not going in your shop. I was, I've, I don't think I've really truly been in the shop heavy since before October working on wow. anything significant. So that's been, I mean, that's who we are. That's essential for the soul. So it is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. At the anvil is where I kind of work out all the world's problems. So uh, looking forward to the upcoming season here to having that back. So yeah, that's kind of where we've been. So I got, um, you know, a handful of orders I got to kick out and then I'm kind of making plans for, I like to make my goals for the year just as a maker, you know, what do I want to challenge myself with and, um, kind of my growth goals. And 
So that's where I'm at right now, just kind of formulating what's the plan for 2024, what are the big ones, and then what are the nice nice to haves if I can find room to to focus. So yeah. Gotcha. Wow. That sounds absolutely brutal, man. I'm 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 really sorry you guys had to go through all of that. That's I can't even imagine, you know, like being stuck at my house for like seven months, you know, with all of that and then the family health issues is uh, I'm really impressed with uh, the mindset you seem to have around it with the, you know, focusing on the, the gratefulness aspect. I know that's something that uh, I struggle with quite a bit, you know, is my brain is very um, well as a mechanic. Um, my job is to look for problems. And so that becomes very easy for me to focus on is finding problems, identifying problems and sometimes trying to fix problems, but other times just dwelling on the problems as they exist and right. having that, uh, that the, the, me- the mental discipline to focusing on, you know, the gratefulness aspect of it and focus on the things that you have in spite of it, not just the challenges and the problems is essential really for, for, um, mental health and, and moving forward. So, um, yeah. it's wonderful yeah. to hear that that's the, the way that you guys are able to, to handle that. That's, it's really something. Yep. Yeah. It could be tough, especially living in Seattle. The, uh, <laughs> as the sun disappears and all of our vitamin D levels drop, you know, so struggle every year. Yeah. But, That's why I don't live there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It gets dark here at four now. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it's, it still does get dark here and that's, you know, and that's what I struggle with. You know, I, I had like a week or, or, or two where I was, you know, I was posting, you know, stories in the morning before I was going to the gym and I was trying to, you know, shoot getting out some positivity. Haters, man, you were getting some haters. <laughs> oh, I got a couple haters. That's fine. Um, but no, you know, I, I, there's a lot of people, uh, in my life who in, inspire me and, and, and make me want to do better. And, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not God, but you know, if I can try and spread some of that positivity and you know i try to do it and the mental discipline has been so essential lately for me especially when you know i live my life in darkness right now you know i i drive to work in the morning it's dark i work in a shop which is kind of like a cave and aside from maybe one or two test drives during the day uh i don't see the sun and then when i leave that's it's dark so we named the whole episode after your hatred of the darkness oh that's right we did (laughs) didn't we yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyways, so, so I've already <laughs> said all this then. Oh my gosh. Nobody needs oh, to hear this crap. In the dock. Molded by it. <laughs> well, yeah, but then you get over in Seattle like uh like Brian and it's dark and raining. So, and yeah. traffic everywhere you want to go. So it's even worse. Yeah, that's today. Everybody's out shopping and pissed off. It's <laughs> Yeah. Traffic's bad yes, this- as it is, but yeah. The season of giving has arrived, so now we must battle it out at Costco. Yep. Yep. It's like going to Disneyland in August, the happiest place on earth. It's... <laughs> None of this sounds enjoyable to me. Christmas shopping, <laughs> Disneyland. Yeah. I'm good, bro. Yeah. I'm good. Yep. I, I, just feel, not... I feel like I would feel scammed if I went to Disneyland because they pump sweet smells into the air, so you buy cookies and shit. Yeah. And I'm like, you're scamming me. That's... <laughs> It's cheating. It's not cheating. It's capitalism at work, man. Come on. 
Anyways. All right. Well, Ryan, Brian, do we have any? Oh, you know what we didn't do? I was about to ask if anybody had anything else we need to do, but we got to do uh, Where in the World is Florida Man. Oh, we're doing two games? Yeah, we're doing two games. We got to do Where in the World is Florida Man. I got some good stuff sent to me. We'll do Phoenix Abrasives, and then we'll close out the show with Where in the World is Florida Man. All right. Hustle and Grind podcast is sponsored by Phoenix Abrasives, your one-stop abrasive shop. When you go to phoenixabrasives.com, click the shop icon in the upper right-hand corner to find all the abrasives you'll ever need. Check out the Incinerator 36-grit ceramic belts, along with the Trizact gator belts that the hosts of Hustle and Grind use every day. When you check out, use code HUSTLE10 for 10% off your entire order. Thanks, Luke. Get ready to play. Where in the world is Florida Man? That's right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. It's time to play Where in the World is Florida Man. I have three stories in front of me. All of them, unfortunately, for the future and present and past of humanity, are in fact true. They really happened question is where did they happen were these truly florida man stories or these imposters you guys ready let's do it all right we begin golfers topple porta potty to dump suspected car thief after wild chase the quote at the top says adam said that once he had pushed it over it was really really smelly and he could hear the sloshing so i can imagine the stench a wild police chase ended with a messy arrest when one of the suspects hid in a porta potty, which bystanders then toppled. One hid in a porta potty, but quickly thinking golfers on a nearby course beat the suspect at hide and seek and tipped the porta potty on its front so responding officers could cuff him. Do you believe that this unfortunate escapee from justice was a Florida man or someone else? Hmm. I don't know, for me, there's not a lot of clues other than golf. And uh, there's a lot of golf courses in Florida. So it's possible. Ryan, so. Ryan, you look stumped, man. No, I agree. I think it's Florida. Sounds very Florida-y, Florida-esque. Our, I can just work. imagine a whole mob of <laughs> virtuous Florida men tipping well, over a party. Are they virtuous? Are they like... We're going to get this guy. Get involved. That was a nice call. Or are they just so used to the weird that they would just stand by and watch normally? I'm going to go Florida, though. Okay. Ryan, you're going to go Florida as well? Mm Mm-hmm. That was Wisconsin, man. Oh, man. Wisconsin. Cheeseheads. Bunch of cheeseheads pushing over porta-potties. Wisconsin, Ohio. There's some states that have been pushing, pushing the Florida. I mean... Florida's still king, but uh, that Wisconsin man and that Ohio man have been nipping at his heels. That one was sent in by David Burke and Mr. K.H. Daly. Thank you, gentlemen, for your contribution to the show. Next up, we have Florida man flings object at car, whips out sort. I just read Florida man right off the top. <laughs> <in that. laughs> Fuck that well, one up. I'm just going to go ahead and finish reading this one out. <coughs> 
Florida man flings object at car, whips out sword during road rage fight over revving engine, deputies say. A man has found himself behind bars after he allegedly flung an object inside another man's vehicle and whipped out a sword during a road rage fight over him revving up his engine. Uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Side I'm going to go not Florida on this one. Right. That's got to be Wisconsin, right? <laughs> yeah. That sounds like Spokane, Washington. It does sound a little bit Spokane-y, doesn't it? If it's you know Spokane, it's, it's yeah. strange. The amount, of, the amount of times that somebody whips out a sword or a machete, like something like that, during like a, a road rage incident, that's it's pretty common. Yeah. I don't know why. It doesn't. Yeah. It shouldn't be, but it is. Anyways. Yep. I, I read like that one off the top. That was... Go I feel ahead. like that's an untapped market for customers for us, right? <laughs> your, uh, Somebody needs to start making like, sword. door sheaths, you know, something they can like <laughs> set right there, you know? You know, I work on cars, so I mean, people come in all the times and they've got, you know, they've got something stuck in that, that driver's door. And I've seen a couple of machetes. I mean, I work on a lot of farm trucks, so I mean, that kind of makes sense, but surely <laughs> not all of them. I knew this guy. He did body work. And uh, he bought this like 40 year old Mercedes for like 500 bucks and found like a brick of 30 year old weed in the door. Yeah. Wow. I've heard that around Seattle. We do the police auctions for a lot of the confiscated cars. They've had people find stuff in panels and not uncommon to buy a car with bullet <laughs> holes in it too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I got one more here. Uh, man threatens to kill neighbors with kindness the name of his machete (laughs) (laughs) they say to quote kill them with kindness but one man may have taken that advice a little too literally brian Dwayne stewart was arrested over the weekend after he reportedly threatened to kill his neighbors with a machete on which he had etched the word kindness at the time of his arrest on thursday cops said that stewart reeked of alcohol and noted that officers had to quote repeat things numerous times Deputies say that he also became belligerent, very aggressive, and kept banging his head on the patrol unit. Sounds like killing them with kindness. Mm. What are you thinking, Brian? Could be Florida. I mean, the the machete is a funny thing. Who buys a machete? You know, and it's just the word kindness on it. Right, right, right. So that that's a little. Once again, we're giving you guys great ideas. You know, if you want to start making right. like you know really nice handmade machetes and etching the word kindness on them, you know, I'm not going to be mad about it. Like solid marketing opportunity right here. I feel like that's is there a market more, for uh, high end machetes? Is there a market for that? There has to be. I, I mean, they're mostly uh, spring uh, steels and yeah, brute force blade works. He makes a pretty sweet looking machete. Now I want to make one. I'm going, I want I'm to make not Florida. Go ahead. Sorry. No, you're good. Okay. Why are you Why are you going not Florida on this one? I, I just feel like that's a particular weapon and a really aggressive thing to do to it. And I don't know if uh, the violent people in Florida are that like. Do they plan that much? They seem a little more impulsive. I, I think that's mm. some dude somewhere rural had a lot of time on his hands, you know, like thinking like West Virginia or, you know, something like would that. It, would it, I forgot to put it in here, but this was a domestic call that the police were responding to as well. All right. 
that could be an important factor in your thinking. So like uh, Dallas, Texas, I'm still, I'm sticking with not Florida. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Ryan, what are you thinking? I'm going to go Florida just to mix it up. (sighs) And you would be right. That was in fact, that was Florida, man. Brian, I'm sorry. I, I tried to tell you it was a Florida man. Brian Dwayne Stewart was the dude's name. He had three first like names. He had three first names. Yeah, yeah. That's that's Florida man. I'm telling yeah, you, that's fair. That's fair. I always try and whenever the, whenever the name is an indication of where this person's from, I I like to throw it in there, <laughs> you know, because it, it, it it'll. It'll catch you sometimes. Ryan's actually gotten one because he, he paid attention to the name and he goes, oh, man, that name, that's Florida. Well, I mean, you guys are honing a specific set of skills here through repetition and, and deep study you know, <laughs> of the Florida man culture. So, <laughs> uh, speaking, of, speaking of Florida man culture, thank you to all of the people who sent me the Florida man Lego minifigure. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I'll... I don't know if I'll get one, but thank you to the hundreds of people who sent me that. That AI representation of what Europeans think Florida man is that I sent you. Oh, that was pretty, that, that was, was pretty good. Uh, see, it's different than mine though. Cause maybe it's cause I've seen a lot of mug shots from Florida, but, uh, it was skinny. He was fat. Yeah. I, pr- I picture him skinny. But. Yeah. They're usually skinny. Usually. Huh. And have weird pockmarks on their faces. <laughs> meth sores uh, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah anyways alright guys we'll start I could have done better with that one I feel bad for reading out the second one that was it's okay people don't listen to this show expecting perfection alright nope. Ryan Brian you guys got anything else you want to say on the main show before we head on over to an after show I don't think so I don't think so I'm good all right, guys. Well, hey, we appreciate you listening. Brian, it was great to have you back on the show, man. We've been trying for a little while, and uh, I'm glad we were able to make it happen. Hopefully, you guys learned something about galvanic corrosion and uh, and everything else around that. And, yeah, please uh, support our sponsors. Um, and if you want to support us on Patreon, you can absolutely do that, and you'll get to listen to this after show here um, that we're about to go on and talk about many, many wonderful things that you just – otherwise we'll know about so i think it might be worth it to you it could be it could be utter dog shit too you never know (laughs) you never know with us there's only one way to find out brother (laughs) (laughs) bye everybody (laughs) 